Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. This week, Latvia celebrated its centennial anniversary of Proclamation of Independence. As you might have noticed uh, from this podcast in general, that uh, we haven't had our independence for the past hundred years. We've been under this thing which this podcast is all about. So, you know, we had a huge parade, we had massive fireworks, this was the hugest celebration Latvia has ever seen. Ever in its existence, I think that um, it might be actually surpassing the original one when we actually proclaimed our independence, because that was a whole mess and a kind of worms on its own. But since I have spoken about how we actually acquired our independence in the Lenin series when I was treating all the civil war things that was going on in Russia with the Bolsheviks versus the White Civil War, I thought, well, how to make this episode more special and make it fun for everyone, because... Well, honestly, doing something non-special would be kind of a silly thing for something as great as the independence celebration of our great country. Well, not that great. It has a lot of issues. For one, we still don't really have a government. But that's beside the point. I want to give you some of the more insane parts about Lavium. And uh, doing that will kind of reveal my own path about doing this whole show because I'll also be answering some of the strangest listener questions that I have received. And the thing that I'd like to start the show off with is to talk about Lafia's first and probably only modern terrorist, Ayo Benes. Now, uh, that guy, that guy is just something. For one, he was born in June 1979 in Rezekne, Latvian SSR. He is technically a Latvian citizen. His uh, dad was from Uganda, and his mother was from Russia. At the same time, he came here as a part of a student's program, which in the Soviet era there were many, as an attempt to educate the peoples in Africa, as to stimulate this whole uh, anti-colonialism movement, and of course do a lot of propaganda for their ideas. That's how his dad came here. And yeah, he was born over there in Rezekne. 
And we're gonna start with his story, which is truly something that needs to be told, because, you know, this is a special episode, and when else will I get to talk about utterly insane things on this show, really? On special occasions, we do these things when we just talk about the stuff that couldn't make it into the show in other times. For one, Nayo Benes is a member of the National Bolshevik Party, which is crazy because most people in America consider them alt-right. Meanwhile, Ayo Benes himself, as uh, Wikipedia for him says, is far left. Now, how does this work together? Well, let me tell you, it doesn't. National Bolsheviks are weird guys, uh, and if you think about it, well, their flag is, you know, you take the Nazi Germany flag, but replace the swastika with hammer and sickle. And then their other symbol is you take the Nazi imperialistic flag and replace the swastika in that with the Soviet hammer and sickle. So he's both far right and far left because he's one of the living um, things which makes me understand that horseshoe theory truly makes sense. He's 39 now, and nobody knows how this crazy man got anywhere, because we don't know anything about his youth or how he got radicalized, but... First time he and the word of national Bolsheviks in general appear at the time when, um, in 2001, these little fellows of the national Bolsheviks just claimed up in the tower of St. Peter's Church here, which is one of the oldest and largest churches in Riga, with a hand grenade threatening the elevator operator with a hand grenade, because that's also a tower where you can, like, look at the vistas around Riga and, you know, see the all of old Riga here. And uh, they wanted to free from prison basically all the people who were arrested and imprisoned for trying to overthrow our government in the August Putsch, including Alfred Srubiks. Also, they wanted to free the people who were justably convicted for genocide, Yevgeny Savienko and Mikhail Farbtuch. Yeah, those two guys were actively participating into the KGB purges, which is fun. And this is the first thing that you hear the word of Ayo Benes, because these guys went up to the St. Peter's Church and tried to blow it up. They were just standing there, and apparently their grenade had been a dud, so that didn't work out. But yeah, National Bolshevism and these guys, well, they do terrorist things. They're also now banned in Russia, because they are just too crazy for literally everyone. And uh, this is the insane part, that they're technically super far left, but they are so far left that they truly turn far right, or other people might say that they are so far right that they turn far left. At any point, the horseshoe theory proclaims that Stalinism and Hitler's Nazism are, you know, at the very close ends of the spectrum, once so far right it almost becomes left and otherwise. Well, national Bolsheviks, who proclaim themselves to be extremely anti-fascist and also anti-communist, at that point, this would be the point where both of these ends of the spectrum truly meet. Second thing that he does in our story, Mr. Benes, was that on 7th of May 2005, uh, he organized a protest action against the visit of uh, George W. Bush in the country. He called him terrorist number one, and he was yelling about how Latvia should arrest Mr. George W. Bush the younger, obviously, for even entering this place. He's also extremely pro-Putin, at least has been. He's no longer such, by the way. It's super interesting. (laughs) 
See, while this thing was going on in 2005 when he was doing this protest, wasn't exactly that. He wasn't just out on the streets yelling with his uh, few fellow national Bolsheviks about how uh, Mr. Bush should be imprisoned. He was also openly spreading around brochures calling for a violent coup in Latvia because we are all a fascist government. Which is really nice when you represent a party. Uh, by the way, at that time, they didn't have a hammer and sickle in their logo. It was a Nazi flag with a black hand grenade in the background. Because it all comes from um, the founder of the National Bolsheviks, Edward Limonov. And the, the nickname for a hand grenade is Limonka. So yeah, uh, Conservapedia, Rational Wiki, you guys both get it wrong. I don't even know if this guy's all right. Anyhow, he called Mr. Bush very far right, spread out brochures about how everything should be violently turned over here, and then, obviously, he got called to court, because, hey, that was weird, dude, and you just got off with uh, trying to, at least with a proper grenade, take over things and blow up all trigger. Not fun. At the same time, he was in the court in 2005 defending himself by stating that, no, 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 I was just uh, preparing for my, uh, for my test in the college. All the while, all the while, this is cool, because all the while, at the same time, Ayo Benes, while he's being in court after his attempts of uh, spreading around brochures among everyone that call for a massive coup, he spreads around more brochures. <laughs> In his statement that uh, 5th December 2005, where Ayobanis threatened the court and in the name of all the national Bolsheviks called in 10 days time, a press on to the knees, all the Latvian court system. However, he wanted to violently kill everyone in the police, our parliament, our president and our cabinet of ministers while he's at court for spreading other such things and literally threatening to murder the United States president. After he's been with a hand grenade on a tower. Obviously, he was, he was arrested and judged. And subsequently, he went on hunger strike in prison because he thought he was truly fighting for some hardcore left rights. And he's being called far right. Look, they're national Bolsheviks. They're the utterly crazy people of any possible spectrum. Then, then our government decides to release him from prison after just 14 days and give him a fine, which at that point were 10 minimum salaries, which was 800 lats at the point. After that, Ayo Benes left Latvia and moved to the UK for a while. And he studied medical microbiology at the University of London in Bergbeck. But he couldn't get away from being a crazy national Bolshevik. So he played an active role in political rallies in the UK, where he got involved with the Communist Party of Great Britain. <laughs> and for some reason decided to attend pro-Palestinian marches, where he was beaten up by pro-Palestinian candidates. Because not even those guys really wanted to, you know, do anything with them. Because this guy is just a bit too insane. Then... He was in Palestine because he decided that the United Kingdom's pro-Palestinian activists weren't good enough. So he goes to Palestine and he's there just for one month. For one month. And then he participates in organizing terrorist acts in resisting Israeli authorities. And he gets a field medical training because, you know, obviously some Palestinian guys need a lot of help there. Probably whatever this guy's here from, I don't even know. But fine. <laughs> but after a while, uh, even they throw them out. Because <laughs> this guy was too crazy for, like, fanatical radical Islam terrorists, even. 
But if all this was weird, then uh, Mr. Rayo Benes is still gonna surprise everyone. See, after he was kicked out from Palestine, because Hamas thought he was too weird for them, he goes to Moscow, of all the places. So on 14th of September 2013, he participates in the Congress of the political party The Other Russia. The other Russia are ridiculously, ridiculously insane, as this is the party which, uh, after in 2007, national Bolsheviks were banned in Russia. In 2010, their previous leader, Edvard Limonov, declares a party which were denied registration because uh, they didn't have enough support there, because not everyone is this ridiculously insane. But yeah, he wasn't there doing uh, the poll creation thing of this party. And you know, uh, I've always spoken about Boris Nemtsov on the show uh, with a nice tone here, but Boris Nemtsov kind of makes sure that this party is um, very well defined. Oh yeah, by the way, uh, the other Russia party, uh, yeah, those are the guys with the Nazi flag and a hand grenade in the middle. Yeah, and their slogans are like two of them. One, <clears throat> Russia is everything, the rest is nothing. And second one is nation, homeland, socialism. Yeah, <laughs> and political position is defined as far left, but hey, you can go far right and you can just whatever. Anyhow, Boris himself said about them, quote, The other Russia united national Bolsheviks, nationalists, liberals, social democrats, and socialists. Then he also added that, quote, There are no parties similar to that one anywhere in the world. And he was totally true, because this was so ridiculously insane a movement, and it's still quite active, actually. Their latest actions were on 26th of October this year, 2018, when during International Security Exhibition in Moscow, one of the activists of the other Russia party, whatever those guys stand for, <clears throat> Olga Shalina, yeah, she cut her veins in an act of protest against human rights violations in Russian prisons. And she yelled about tortures happening in Russian prisons, because, you know, if you've listened to my prison culture episode, then you know that there is a ton of torture there. And again, she spread leaflets yelling against the cops, and when, while shouting freedom for prisoners and uh, all that nice stuff. This is just ridiculous. Also, those guys are uh, fanatical activists and zealots against Ukraine in the war in Donbass. Just, just so you know, this will come up again. Well, your betters continues to travel and do crazy things, because on 19th of November 2013, Ayo Benes was in London in a, a direct action in, in memory of Alexander Dolmatov, which was a Russian opposition activist who committed suicide in the detention center. He went to the Netherlands, Dolmatov, in June 2012, fearing arrest in Russia. He sought political asylum there, but in December of 2012, the Immigration Service of Netherlands turned down his application, and he was found dead in a Rotterdam deportation center early on 17th January 2013. So, this guy, who's just an opposition activist, and, and, and one of the more active left political activists, probably wouldn't have approved of Ayobetes himself, but that doesn't stop our hero here. And he was in very, very active positions for all these protest actions, because on 29th of November, just 10 days later after the 19th one with a violent protest going on, he, in the hog, organized further crazy riot-level protests in memory of said Dalmatov. Obviously, he was arrested and was put into prison, where he stayed for six weeks. So, you know, he'd be thinking that this guy kind of wants some liberal ideas, but oh boy... <laughs> 
in 2014, Ayo Ben is the part for the self-declared Republic of Crimea. He gets arrested on the April the 1st in Donetsk. <laughs> When it's not in riot yet, and, and when there are no uh, kind of little green men sent in there for, quote, preparation of an armed coup to overthrow the government and to undermine the territorial integrity of Ukraine. From where he is deported from Ukraine to the United Kingdom again. And in May, the 37th year, it's like a month, he's been deported in April, and now it's May, and he's just coming back. And despite that he's been banned from entering Latvia, and despite that he's banned from entering Ukraine, he tries to cross into Ukraine with another two random guys. The border guard just takes him up, and he's sent back to my country, to Latvia, where he's detained by our security police and the state police at, at the airport. At the same point, Mr. Bedas, who's so far done so many crazy things that I still have no idea how he's even alive, he uh, instantly claims that he has been tortured and beaten by the Ukrainian National Guard. On the 16th of May, our courts order that we should probably keep this crazy guy in prison and restart our prosecution for his incitements to, well, violently overthrow the government of Latvia, to change the political system, and to liquidate Latvian national independence, because he wants us to join Russia at any cost. Well, <laughs> he manages to completely avoid, due to his national Bolshevik friends, any arrests and any persecutions, because for some reason he was just taken into custody, but then he was let out, and he participated into a, a ton of protest actions at Riga, including the 15th August demonstration against the fact that we, as members of EU, joined the sanctions against Russia. And once again, once again, he calls for dismissal of Minister of Foreign Affairs at the time, Edgar Sridkevich, and he calls for a violent overthrow of my country once again. Obviously, he's currently super wanted in Latvia for charges of sedition, and we have a war for his arrest, but we're probably not arresting him anytime soon, because once he realized he'd get into too many troubles and problems over here, guess what he does? <laughs> he goes to Donbass with his fellow national Bolsheviks and joins the Intergard regiments as well as the volunteers. Now, let me tell you, if you think about far-right ultranationalism, you think they'd be pretty racist? Nope. Like I told you, his dad is from Uganda. He's black. At this time, I guess everyone's just super confused about who he is. Ayo Benes, since late 2014, has been fighting as a part of the Luhansk People's Army, which are another part of the separatists uh, in Russia, sponsored and funded separatists in the Donetsk and Lugansk regions. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is not where the story even ends. See, when Ayo Benes went uh, to war in Donbass with the separatist things, we thought he was just dead, just like everyone else who was this crazy guy. But then again, uh, apparently we here in Latvia and people in Ukraine have underestimated the mighty power of Ayo Benes. Apparently this guy has even got a cool nickname for himself, and this extremely far-right ultra-nationalistic Russian, who is also far-left, has acquired a nickname, uh, <clears throat> Black Lenin. And uh, on uh, the 15th of October, 2018, this year, he wrote a letter to the newspaper Novaya Gazeta and did an interview with him. He uh, was very open about supporting the so-called Russian Spring in Crimea, then joining Donbass and joining in with the armed separatist groups. 
And, uh, yeah, he became, apparently, the face of the Radical International, whatever this is, the fourth or the fifth one, who supports this new Russia idea. The guys from the Novaya Gazeta, or the new newspaper, they got an interview with him. Because, apparently, by this point in 2018, he's alive, and he's still kicking, and he's very, very disappointed with what's going on in Russia. So I'm going to give you the interview with this glorious man, Ayo Benes. Because, wow, if, uh, if you think about famous crazy Latvians, I don't even have anything to add here. So, full translation of the interview. He's, by the way, discussing this with a special correspondent of Nova Gazeta, uh, Pavel Kanigin. <clears throat> what exactly doesn't satisfy you, Benes? A whole list of things. First of all, the usurpation of power in Donbass by some sort of doubtful anti-nationalistic elements. Secondly, about how uh, people really get treated in the region. In part, with the Communistic Party of Donetsk Nationalistic Republic. We weren't allowed to participate in the local elections in the higher council. And again, this very same anti-people's forces created a act of terrorism in our committee in the time where we were collecting there. Hey guys, Annette here. I hope you are enjoying our new episode of The Eastern Border. As always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your help. If you are not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to the Eastern Border page on Patreon.com. Please remember to also follow us on our social media, like Twitter, where we are known as Eastern underscore Border, and on our Facebook page. We also have a new Discord server, so if you're interested in that, find the link in the description of this podcast. That's it for now. See you online. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, why aren't you calling the guilty one straight up? <clears throat> I'm not the court, not the investigation to state something like that. Let them call that, and it's kind of weird, especially when um, behind this, the <clears throat> bourgeoisie oligarchic circles, both in Russia and Ukraine, are standing behind this. They simply do not want the power of Donbass to be owned by the people. They do not want this movement of Nova Russia, understand? Right now, there are more and more talks about what's going to happen with the freezing of the Prydnestrovsky conflict. 
the more and more talks about uh, how this is gonna move like that. Stagnation of everything, but was that what we were fighting for in 2014? Besides, they're giving us this Pushilin, who supported MMMs, which are multi-level marketing schemes, by the way. And this is just my comment here. And another one of imposters of the Moscow oligarchs and curators whom no one respects here. Borodai speaks that things have been decided already. Moscow has decided on Pushilin, even though they call them Cherno Pushilin, which is the black Pushilin at the beginning. Well, this is some sort of nonsense. Look what's going around. Everyone who was influential and loved by the people were isolated from this interpolitical process. No one has acquired a passport in DNR, therefore he can't put himself on the ballot. Khodorkovsky is not let out from Russia, but to Pavel Guvarev, they basically hit him really hard by kidnapping his wife. Our comrade, communist Hakim Zanov, were also not allowed to participate in elections. One Pushilin and some purely technical opposition candidates, sort of opposition candidates, were remaining there, and no one knows about them in the Donetsk. That is, some political powers, who are utterly, you know, they don't care, and um, my commentary here, I'm literally reading verbatim from this whole situation. He does speak that poorly, and I'm trying to translate it in all accuracy. There will be uh, some swear words coming on here, and uh, even though he is a master's of microbiology, he's quite unpleasant to actually read, just saying. So, these people want to turn our country into some sort of slave country for the mighty oligarchs. In short, I believe that the elections that are going to happen here, because by that point they weren't uh, even happened, but obviously Pushilin won. Pushilin was the Kremlin's candidate who, again, used to run multi-level marketing schemes and got into trouble in Russia. Mm. I understand and think that these... uh, (laughs) These so-called elections completely are not representative of our constitution, our democratical principles, and norms of international rights. Which is funny when this guy is talking about international rights. Benes, excuse me, but when you were talking about the laws in Donetsk, that sounds kind of like you're joking. But I'm not joking. Simply, the thing is that we were being tricked. We feel ourselves being tricked. Complete failure. That is, 40 years ago, you fought for and agreed to a half a criminal dictatorship, which appeared here uh, together with Zakharchenko and Tashkent, but now you are being those guys who complain about uh, the lack of democratic institutions, right? Well, we presumed it would be temporarily, you know, bardak or chaos. Well, you know, they're gonna steal a bit, but after all, there's gonna be, you know, joining with Russia, order. Completely until the Debaltsev's battle, we believed in the fact that in Donbas, the Abkhaz and South Ossetia scenery will follow. Russia will give us protection, uh, will the uh, Uret admit our independence with the goal of uniting us. The widespread uh, of a new Russia at that point were stopped, but somehow partisans, Russian partisans, will fight on and at one point those territories that we have will be admitted. 
But then they started talking to us that you have to endure a bit, that the situation is hard, that Minsk is a special, very sneaky plan of Putin, because, you know, in any case, Ukraine will never gonna observe these uh, Minsk treaties. And we kind of agreed to this. But that point and that era inside the republics, true chaos started to rise. Corruption, complete annihilation of democratic processes. But we endured because we believed that um, in the future, this Putin's sneaky, again, hitri, we use the word hitri here, uh, this Putin's sneaky plan will work and win in the end. In short, we bought in. We went to compromises. But it turned out that very soon, Moscow decided to do nothing. It doesn't want to do anything. It's understandable that there are different political structures in Moscow, moods and groups of influence and different scenarios. Not only one Surkov, who is one of the most important people in Kremlin, not only one Surkov that is uh, with his team, there are other people too. There is still an idea of a South Russian Federation. There are still important political structures there who completely think that all of Donbass, all of Nova Russia, all this new Russia, that they are truly in completely Russian lands, that South Russian territories, they must be added. But for now, Surkov is stronger. But again, we're being told that Surkov has become weaker. A lot of people, you know, hate him. And you are not really in the course that the goal of Moscow from the end of 2014 wasn't the addition of these territories, but instead the reintegration of Donbass into Ukraine, well, with certain, um, let's just say, rules. <clears throat> and then again, we saw different things in the territories. It was a completely strong integration inside of Russia. Completely a reformation of infrastructure, factories and industry. Some of our coal businesses are now tied to Russia, together with metallurgy, like uh, the pipe factory of Hartsizgi. All the celebrations, time, all of it is in Russian for us. The textbooks, history, uh, which are taught in our universities and schools, it's all totally Russian-Soviet, not Ukrainian. Uh, the ruble, the Russian ruble, is our you know main currency. Sure, we have possibly the passports of DNR and LNR, but then Russian passports will just push him out. They're talking that the banks will be Russian. That is, seeing it all of this, this integration in Russia, we kind of unwillingly agree to all of these failures. Yes, the process is holding back now and then. Not one, not two, but about five, six. And that's bad, because in the result of shootings, the people are dying unmistakably. This is criminal, because the death of peaceful people, of civilians, and our warriors, that has to stop. But we see this integration, and we still believe that this is not simple. It's just too simple to give us back to Ukraine. Yes, we are disappointed with the fact that it's so slow. We bought in with certain promises, and with that there are fault lies. In that area, we still control only 35-40% to 40 of the territory of the whole Donbass region. However, back then in 2014, we could have taken Mariupol, one of the further cities down which isn't controlled by them, and the whole territory around Donetsk. But now, we don't have peace for five years, and we don't even have an exact war. We have just constant shootouts. The towns surrounding Donetsk are being just done. The buildings are crashing down. We have a high unemployment rate, totally low pay, and people who work for the government, they get in about five, six thousand rubles, and it's impossible to survive with this money. 
But we do not believe that Kremlin and all of its bourgeoisie will give us to Ukraine. In Donetsk and Luhansk, a lot of Russian money has been put in. It's not profitable to return this all back to Ukraine. So, why are you thinking that Kremlin wants to give it all back to Ukraine? Moscow truly is doing some economical, infrastructural, and cultural additions to Donbass, but in the law plane, they want to leave Donbass as a part of Ukraine. And that will be a large pressure point to Kiev from Moscow for long years. As part of a train horse? Well, shamely, it is seen that in Kremlin such moods are being preferred. But I want to say that after the horrors and that violence and terror, which um, the Banderovsko-Fascistkaya Junta, or Banderov-Fascist Junta, has uh, put upon us, I don't think that our people will agree even to a formal reintegration. I don't want to believe in such a scenario. After all, we believed Russia shall come forever, like in Crimea. Is it not obvious, Benes, that Moscow does not want, like in Crimea, but wants in a different way? And I'm, I'm telling you back, for fuck's sake, we were feeling bad. Although, I don't believe it until the end. But possible that in the Kremlin there is still going on a battle of groups and the final decision has not been made yet. That is why we want to create a united front of the allies of Donbass and Novorossiya so that our voice would be sounding more louder in Kremlin. A front where another uh, Russia and the Communist Party and the National Bolshevik Party and the comrades Strelkov i Bezler and Purgin and Gurbayev will go in. And those are uh, very anti-European, anti-West essentially activists. And they are the guys whom Putin keeps on a super tight leash because those guys, if they get power, they'll get insane. This is my comment here. All those people who state that Russia becomes powerful and strong, raising kind of a state... After all, Russia doesn't want to leave us alone. It wants to make sure that we're joined as fast as possible. But in the case with sanctions and the pressure of Russian oligarchs, it's impossible. The oligarchs have money and resources. They pay taxes. They're tied with the evil Western capitalism and understand that sanctions will ruin them. That is why they do not want the spread of Novorossiya, But there is a chance that Russia will live through these sanctions and will create its independent production and will become less dependent on the West, will create an alliance and a union with China, Kazakhstan, and then the pro-Western oligarchs will be broken. Now then, we will have a chance. The hope of that is still with us, and it's strong. But while the liberal powers... (laughs) are dominating Russia, while the powers who don't want independence from the West are in control of Russia. <laughs> and and this, is, this is from the interview, guys. This is as funny to you as it is to me. So I'm sorry, but you know, I, can't, I can't really do this seriously. While these are in power, we have no hope. Mm-hmm. And you want to press on Kremlin with your front and also to Putin? Of course. So that they will, without any point, go to the point of complete isolation from the West and the addition of Donbass? Well, yes. But I don't think that Russia will be in a complete isolation. Russia shall build a Caspian society, the Euro-Asian society. It shall increase its union with the powers in Asia, South America, Africa. That's how we see it. Where the hell Russia shall take investments and technologies? 
I'm sorry, but there's a huge scientific and people's potential in Russia. Can't we just move on our own technologies? In Russia, there's Kalashnikov. There are technologies about using swamp gas, which is practically unusable until the end in comparison to natural one. But you truly are a black Lenin. Swamp gas, isolation from the West, friendship with third world countries. You know, you should just take it into account that our front can successfully pressure the powers in Russia, including Putin, thinking that the people in the country being stagnated. Russia is not in a good position right now. Look at it yourselves. So many factors. The pension reform, the increase of value-added tax, the increase of poverty. If the powers will not go to certain compromises, will not hear the people of Donbass, and will not liberate the people of Ukraine from the violent fascist junta, then, then there will be another revolution. Yes, a change of power. I will not throw around these terms. Revolution, not revolution. But there will be a change power which can't listen to the people cannot live forever europe of a communistic worldview but you are looking at the right wing extremely right wing gubarev and even more extremely right wing girkin your comrades how do you manage this well we have a common goal so that we would have honest normal elections in donetsk in accordance to the law and when the powers that be will give us the pretext for these elections then we shall honestly fight with each other for whom the people will vote that shall rule and then without compromises we shall be of the opponents of gubarev and other elements of the bourgeoisie I'm sure that your front shall be called the Red and Browns. Do you understand I'm united with Girkin truly? Because he has often criticized the Jews and, you know, has been blatantly anti-Semitical and racist. Have you read his Caucasus stories? Well, honestly speaking, I haven't heard anything anti-Semitical, anti-Caucasus or racist in his words. But I know that he often contacts and is uh, friendly with a lot of Jews, including commanders in Donbas, including me. And he doesn't just step for the dictatorship of the Russian nation. Uh, dictatorship of the Russian nation is what the national Bolsheviks are about. And our friend Ayo Benes, if you didn't understand from the fact that his dad is from Uganda, is also black. And he claims to be Jewish. Well, that part is not true, but yeah, now... Okay, so we have a... Just to put it in perspective again, just just a small recap. We have a black, self-proclaimed Jewish, Latvian, hardcore ultra-nationalist who is also a communist, who is also a terrorist, who has worked with Hamas, who's also a microbiologist, and now is working with the separatists in Donetsk, who has also tried to do violent coups in Latvia, and has also tried to do a violent coup in the Netherlands. Yeah, <laughs> let, let, just just process this. This is an interview with this man. This is the most interesting man on planet Earth at this given moment. And he's just 39. Carrying on. Interestingly enough, what shall be the reaction of Moscow towards your initiatives? Honestly, I think that there will be no reaction at the beginning. But, you know, independence with that, how our coalition shall work, the power shall be reacting to that. 
We, ourselves, the communists, will try to stand up for the union of DNR and LNR with Russia and all of Novorossiya as an autonomous republic within Russia. And, of course, our maximum program, it is the <clears throat> Socialistic Union and the recreation of the Soviet Union. Of course, we see that Putin and other bourgeoisie pro-Western... <laughs> Yeah, this this guy, he even calls Putin pro-Western. Of course he does. Why not? Why, why not by this point? Uh, seriously. We see that him and other leaders of Russia would like to go into the club of leaders of more developed countries of the world and would want to put their own questions there. But the question about the life of the people, no one's worried about that. That's the main problem. So you'd want that Russia would never go into this club of civilized countries. And this is uh, the best, the best quote of all of this, why I even started this episode. <clears throat> I would like to see Russia being together with the countries as Belarus, North Korea, Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, in which Maduro exists with Syria. I, by the way, completely support Russia's military activities in Syria. Uh, so, do you want Russia to be on the level with the very poorest countries? Pariahs? Yes, exactly with these pariahs, because these countries picked either a socialist path of um, progress or didn't really orient themselves. Exactly with these countries, Russia must create a powerful political and economical alliance. This is the point where I, I had to stop my recording for a second uh, previous time when I did this because I was just laughing out too loud. <clears throat> Benes, are you not afraid that even the people in Donbass will come to fear you because of your crazy ideas? People, after all, want, speaking in your language, realize their own small bourgeoisie needs, live peacefully and with some dignity without fearing wars and arrests and, you know, have some rest. But you're literally offering them North Korea now. We offer peace to people, and I will tell you that the people of Donbass are even ready to tightly, tightly tie up their belts for the end of this war. Me, I'm being stopped on the streets all the time, and I get these questions. They're seeing me as a person in the uniform and are asking, tell me, please, when this terrible war shall end? Well, and I go every time by the street, and every time I answer this question by the normal people. Guys, when this is gonna end, this is what people want. How do we fucking solve this? We know this. <clears throat> we need to have Russian peace workers entered in our country. Second thing that people want, good job, good payments, and so forth. How do we solve these questions? And the ways of realistic and complete nationalization. Even Marx wrote about this. First, that the people need is to get dressed and to get clothing. And we are going to work with this. Ayo Benes, ladies and gentlemen. He's my spirit animal now, I think. So why did I record this episode? Especially since I told that I'm going to be asking the most insane questions of my listeners. Well, the most interesting question of my listeners so far has been, hey, what do you think about the national Bolsheviks and Dugin and Limonov? And, and do you support their ideas? Uh, no. No, I don't. <laughs> Secondly, uh, why am I doing this in the 100th anniversary of my own country? Well, because in a way, when you look back at this, there were days in my country's history when people like Ayo Benes, when utter madmen, full with 
weird ideas because Latvia in its inception fought both against the Germans and the Russians and everyone, basically. We're in the middle of a crossroads, and this is why I love my country. This is why we are in this more socially conservative way about we want to run our country ourselves because there was a real risk that Mario Benes isn't, isn't Lenin. Well, he's closer to Trotsky, I would state. But there was a moment in time when people like Ayo Benes were threatening my country and from all sides and and different armies were just marching all over us and we endured. And this is why we are not a country of madmen and we are not North Korea. This is why we are, after all, we still have a lot of uh, problems, but we're still a civilized country. I think so. We have a lot of issues again, and I'm no fan of my government, but this is a thing that... <laughs> I get a lot of questions about my opinions on uh, on national Bolshevism because some people are really fans of it and some people just ask me whether or not I'm left or right and I have to answer that I'm for the truth because this is why I am a centrist. Because if you look at Ayo Benes and you see both far right and far left all put into one and then you understand what this crazy radicalism can bring to you. This makes you think, because there are people like him out there that truly exist. And no matter which side of the political spectrum are you on, if you go far enough, you all become Ayo Benes without a doubt. At least, that's how I view it. So I'm happy that 100 years ago, my country managed to get independence and then keep it. I was sad about the fact that we were taking over the Soviet Union, but that was also an experience that we lived through. It all has meaning, because the craziest questions are always about which kind of spectrum do I support? Am I a player on one team or the other? Well, here you go. This is the guy who plays for both teams and see how that turns out. So don't be like that. This is why I thought it was very important to speak about Ayo Benes in our centennial episode. Because I have to thank those brave men who got our independence and then also to those brave men who restored it. For the fact that our country is not one of Ayo Benes. For the fact that we have hope in this country, and for the fact that we can still live here in peace. I wish that to Latvia, so that we wouldn't have to endure more Ayo Beneses in the future. And maybe, maybe one day, we shall prosper from that. I hope you enjoyed this episode, because truly this was one among the funniest I've ever made in my life, and also one of the saddest, if you think about it. And see you next time. God bless Latvia. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.